0: Thank you.
1: Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You know, I'm currently sick right now. So if you hear that in my voice, I apologize. On today's episode of the podcast, I have Robert Anthony Via. He's a local herpetologist, um, self-taught naturalist, just a really well-read man. Um, I personally found out about him through uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopeia. A show about this guy going around the world trying a whole bunch of different psychedelics and drugs to alter consciousness. And uh, yeah, Robert was on one of the episodes and I was astounded. And so I went looking for him and I found him. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Lots of info. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to play you off with uh, Crema Dolce produced by Q. I'd like to start off quite simply Uh just by asking my guest uh, a random but my own intrigue kind of question. And the question is, what is your first memory?
2: My first memory? Yeah. It would be uh, a little Dotson type dog that I grew up with named Weeks.
0: Weeks? Yeah. I don't know
2: why Why Weeks? Weeks. But he was a little wiener dog, yeah. and um, he lived with me and my folks and my grandma in Menlo Park. I remember playing in the yard with Weeks. I was a toddler. Oh that wow! Has to be one of my earliest memories.
1: That's so funny.
2: Yeah. So it's with a
1: little dog. How nice. Yeah. How nice. That's 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 awesome. <laughs> oh, like not jumping into the whole thing and everything. <laughs> um. The way you came into my world, uh, Robert, is I saw you in uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia on the episode he did on the, mm-hmm. uh, the Sonoran to- Desert Toad.
2: Yeah.
1: How did that come about for your end?
2: Okay. Well... How
1: was that a whole experience? Uh,
2: well, I'll answer that in a roundabout question. Please. Um, Roundabout way. Um. So, I'm a self-taught naturalist. Self-taught? Yeah. Really? So... After high school i um I went on my own path, which is a whole another uh pandora's box but we'll um, get to it, <laughs> it a can of worms but um, <laughs> long story short, I taught myself uh herpetology wow. and natural history, and now I work more as a botanist and and a horticulturist but anyhow um uh, by this point. I have been working with uh, television companies, media companies, for a couple of years now. Oh, wow. Um, as a f- fixer, as a consultant, yeah. Um, I'll do anything from... Uh, I have a, a, a Gila monster that I use for educational purposes. It's of licensed course. to me. So if they want to film a Gila monster because they couldn't find one in the wild, they come to you. They come to me. Uh, oh, there's wow. a desert tortoise walking around here somewhere, um, <laughs> probably behind that box over there. Oh, wow. Um, and that's, that's so great. That's Virgil. Uh-huh. Uh I had Virgil. Virgil was given to me by my great-grandmother. Uh, oh, wow. And I, he, he was in the kitchen in a box uh-huh. um, while she was making tortillas. Mm. And uh, guessing by the photographs, Virgil is... Is only three years younger than I am, so we've we've spent our whole lives together. Wow! Um, but anyhow, so I'll consult on any aspect, almost any aspect of of the program that they're trying to produce. Right. Whether it's the content, how to keep things um, accurate and entertaining without being uh, misleading or of sensationalistic. Right. Right. Um. And The VICE media company had contacted a friend of mine, and um, this was a year before they actually filmed, because they thought they could wrap the whole episode up in 10 days. This was probably because they had only ever dealt with chemicals and plants. Right. Um, But not with animals. Not with animals. And and to film the metamorphosis, for example, of the toad from from tadpole to um, to toadlet, right, uh, is a long time.
1: Right. So how long? How long does that usually take that transformation? Uh,
2: it's close to about two weeks, and okay. it's the longest. It's the longest metamorphosis that desert toads have. Really? Yeah. There's reasons for that. Most toads or frogs in yeah. the, uh, in the desert have to metamorph metamorphose really quickly because mm-hmm. of the the monsoon water dries up right away.
1: Right, right.
2: Um anyhow, so there it was a lot of work that went into getting uh permits. Right. Um finding a legal source, because you can't just go anywhere and collect, collect all it. of these things. Uh-huh. Uh it ended up being uh about a in total, doing, uh, primary research for them, Mm. um, fixing things within the Yaqui tribe, the Yoeme tribe, Mm. in Sonora, and, uh, being on air, on camera with them, Mm -hmm. and, you know, filming the metamorphosis, all of this took, you know, uh, over, well over a month. Wow. So...
1: Um, that sounds like a whole cool process. So, did you have to like set the pre- like get the permits yourself and help them out on on yeah. your, like, over here? Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you would assume they streamlined that process in some way.
2: Um, not really, because Vice wouldn't know what to do. Right. You know, they, they they're not they don't uh, they're not a wildlife filming company. That there's, makes sense. That there's makes sense. you know, there's a bunch of wildlife film. Filming media companies, and of they course, know, and even then, you know, d- permitting and all of that is so unique to to the circumstance. Right, right, right. Wow. But anyways, um, this was was uh, bittersweet. You know, the mm. it's uh, it was a project that utilized all of my. Uh, Skill sets. Right. Uh, I've been very um, interested in the cultural history of this region um, and the ethnoecology of this region Mm. and sort of the whole picture, the big picture. And really, you know, herpetology, the study of amphibians and reptiles, which is where I started. Of course. And botany. Sort of the gateway or the the window from which you can see the, the bigger picture. The bigger picture. Um,
1: Interesting. How did you get started in studying uh, w- a- amphibians and, ripti- and reptiles? It was,
2: it was Virgil, the tortoise. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, he set off the curiosity yeah, then. Yeah, I
2: was five years old.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Mm, part of it probably had to do with the fact that my paternal grandfather, he's died before I could formulate any memory mm-hmm. of him. Uh, loved to watch uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, which was an early wildlife show that would play across the United States. And it was wow. Campy stuff. But yeah. it, was, it was how people got exposed to wildlife. Of course. So apparently, uh, he would sit me on his knee or lap, and we'd watch these shows together. Yeah. yeah. He liked those things. Um, he was also a sheriff, um, and, um, he's always fas- fascinated me as a person. Interesting. Um, but anyhow, you know, those, those early experiences, whether I remember them or not, uh, uh were fundamental.
1: To, m- to, t- t- uh, making I, I, I even direction. just
2: uncovered some pictures of me as an infant in the crib, and my grandmother had made, uh. Uh, stuffed plush snakes, Oh. because it it was just practical. I mean, she didn't really have
1: anything, much else. Much
2: right. else. So she made. So you know, I think you know. It really the 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 road was set really early. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Wow, that's awesome. And and so you didn't even you didn't go to school for it or nothing. You just did it yourself through yeah, reading and and stuff. Yeah, actually
2: this this January I'm actually gonna take some of my first college courses really yeah
1: wow yeah. are you nervous about that
2: uh i'm a little bit nervous yeah um mainly it's it's gonna be a hard pill to swallow Mm. um Why but is that? but i have to do it and and i it finally crystallized in my head mm-hmm. recently uh, i that i I've gotten as far as I can get without a degree, right? Um, and I, it's hard because um, I have the skill sets. For example, in the filmmaking world, I can I have the knowledge that they need, right? And the experience that they need as a consultant for for whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have the time, but mm. most scientists don't have the time because they have to work on projects right, and, and things like that yeah, yeah. and yeah, so they keep
1: their their they live off research essentially yeah, right,
2: and um, but because I don't have those letters behind my name mm. um, then they're less likely to pay me pr- adequately or um, mm. or accept the, right. the s- what i what I have to offer without um verif- corroborating it with other people right so um and everyone even the you know actual biologists that I've known for a lot of my life yeah you know they know you know I just have to um I have to actually study the fundamentals of what I actually know so right. i can I can rattle off facts and I can understand processes right but i I should probably now start understanding the theories and and the fundamental underpinnings of those things right, right. and uh that's that's why you go to school right and i I'm ready for it, and I used to be so um adamant about not going to school. We get that. And um you know, it's going to st- I'm going to start off with one or two classes and some simple and then go from there. Nice. So
1: nice. That's, that's 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 cool. It's a good decision to it's a, it's a it's a it's interesting place to be. How long have you been studying on your own?
2: That's that's a good question. Uh <laughs> probably in Middle school, I had already been um, reading and collecting literature, mm. and I still—I c- mean, it's a—it's a book collecting is is definitely a, a mm-hmm. thing. It's a—it's a bibliomania is a thing.
1: Bibliomania. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I it get it's that. A, it's a real term. I can fall into those temptations. Uh. And I'm almost <laughs> at the point.
2: I'm almost at the point. Of tsundoku, which is a Japanese word uh-huh. specifically for um those who are having books that have never been opened wow. <laughs> and and, and, and you you're accumulating them um but i've i think i've I've referenced most of my my books and, and wow prints yeah. um and and that's how I've learned right what I know, apart from experience. Of course. So, um, anyways, um wow. Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia was, was uh, bittersweet because um, there's a lot of sensitive material Right. in there. I uh, wanted to tell an accurate story. Of? Of. The history of use of of this of the the f- uh, toad derived 5 oh. MEO DMT. Oh, okay. Um, because there's um, a species at risk, and there's mm. um, various cultures at, at risk. Of course. There's lots of what I call cultural misappropriation.
0: Mm. Um,
2: there's cultural appropriation. But I think, mainly, it's misappropriation most of the time, because you're, interesting, you're, um, you're, bastardizing it.
1: Right, right.
2: Appropriation really is, uh, I think, um, either neutral or um, or gradual and um, consensual or m- or mutual.
1: Right. An exchange of ideas more yeah. than anything. Yeah. Right. But then the the w- misappropriation, misappropriation is, is the is bastardizing of it. Right, right. And that's that I completely agree
2: with. And
1: I can I can appreciate that nuance. Um
2: I I delved into the world you know, I I I, I contacted some people and mm-hmm. um it went At first, I thought I was just going to be a toad rearer, like raising the toads and providing natural history. And in the documentary, uh, that's how I appear. But uh, um, the the long story is that um, there's a group of people who learned about smoking toad secretions huh. For five M E O D M T. A lot of there's a there's another
1: uh Like uh, an indigenous misconception that you lick
2: toads to get high and that's not Right. It's right. Um,
1: isn't that it's like so a diluted meme to a certain extent? Yeah. I
2: I guess so. I, right. at some point the media um news sources uh uh kept quoting uh, a lay person who thought that that kids were licking toads to get high ah and because that sounds so bizarre and urban right then uh it, it that's w- it grew right and it, i guess it, it grew into a meme mm-hmm. um but uh that can be really uh can mm-hmm. make you really sick because it can stop your heart
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like death that doesn't sound like sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if you lick uh, specifically these, the desert toads, like if you if all you were toads, to lick them, all toads, all and, toads?
2: And, and and most amphibians oh. have uh, skin toxins as a defense because oh. they don't they don't have shells they don't right. really, really bite or anything right yeah 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 so they have these they developed
1: these other techniques to defend themselves yeah it's
2: a poison interesting a p- um and uh, it evolved the poison apparatus. Uh, the, devel- the 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 source of poison evolved mm. with um, the amphibian's ability to regulate body moisture because they depend right. on water to survive they breathe through their skin and they need to have oh wow moisture on their skin to breathe to breathe oh. uh, they're 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 o- you know it they're the intermediary between fish and reptiles right and so um Within that ability to regulate osmosis mm. or, and their moisture yeah. uh, came the uh, the production of skin toxins. Oh. Uh, it's it has to do with the transfer of uh sodium and potassium ions mm-hmm. through uh cell um membrane. the cell membrane. Interesting. Um anyhow to this day, no one knows who the first person to smoke the secretion right. is. And Hamilton
1: was talking about the, the yeah. guy. And h-
2: even the person they interviewed is not, not the person. A- him, right? Bec- right. And there's at least three to four people who claim the to pseudonym be. of Albert Most. Right. And their stories differ. For example, uh-huh. if you read the pamphlet, um they cite a paper hmm. in a in a chemistry sh- journal from 1967 which just outlined the chemical properties of the secretions of Sonoran desert toads oh. and it's not it's not a psychedelic journal it's right. nothing, it's a very technical journal that right. just happens just to list 5-MeO-DMT of course to me, that means that there was someone out there who was actively seeking out psychoactive properties from in in the in the uh, the ether. Right. You know, the, there was somebody. Somebody was, somebody was a a, looking for. A, a, a psychonaut. Right. Right. Um, when you ask when they were when he was in this person that that uh, Hamilton was interviewing mm. was asked, did you have any knowledge of? technical literature are published. No, he didn't. And his claim mm. was that he had gone around, um, uh, through his love of toads, uh, uh ethnoherpetology uh-huh. love of toads, uh, he went around expressing the glands of the toads and smoking them, putting <laughs> them on a cigarette, until he just happened to try bufo alvarius. Right. And, um, that's um, to even conceive of smoking. That is very foolhardy or brave.
1: Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's a pretty brave thing to yeah. do, yeah. if you want to call it brave. I wouldn't yeah. really call it brave, in all honesty. Mm.
2: Right, <laughs> sounds so like a death wish. So <laughs> well, it and it it really it really it when you s- when you smoke 5MEO DMT, it mm-hmm. is um it is a simulation of death. Right by most accounts, right, right. And um, the people that I've talked to um, have ex- have expressed the the um, the experience is based on your desire to uh, give yourself mm. uh, or you know cross the threshold into p- what perceived death. And then come you snap out of
1: it. Interesting. Um, Seems pretty intense. It is. <laughs> and
2: and um, whoever whoever discovered this um, was very likely uh, Anglo
1: white. Right.
2: And Why uh, do
1: you think that?
2: Um, based on the cohort of people. That have claimed the the pseudonym or have have right. identified themselves as such um so far, all the names that that i've that I've encountered in that realm in that early realm yeah uh are are Anglophone so Angry, interesting, um, interesting in any case, the practice uh, moved to Mexico right. And um, a group of of uh, self-professed shamans in Mexico um, really found really were were stimulated by this and decided to start administering it to people mm. and like um, the
1: gynecologist shaman
2: yeah in the show a certain person. Um, <laughs> I, don't think it's, it's fair to, even say his name. It's um, respectable. At least not for our purposes. But yeah. Yeah. No. Um, they can see the show if
1: they want to. Yeah. It's up um, It's up there in the interwebs. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. You know when, when you. When you hold yourself in p- in power or. Mm. Or. Influence then uh, that there's a, a whole can of worms that comes with that right, and um as is very typical of a lot of things this uh, this practice um, was sort of propped up on. On the backs of indigenous cultures. Mm. Uh, Interesting. So,
1: like, s- if I'm understanding yeah. you correctly, the practice of smoking this venom mm-hmm. was co-opted by indigenous cultures, or not co-opted, but more like.
2: It's a good question, and uh, I think you're getting to it. Um, and.
1: Because uh, I that was actually my rebuttal I had to you uh, when when mm-hmm. you mentioned that that the person who discovered it was most likely Anglo I was going to mention the people who who do smoke it but in like tribal settings yeah. and stuff That's like this that.
2: This is this is where it gets very interesting. Right. Um, so yes, uh, in at least one instance, uh, the komkak or the Seri people mm. have adopted this medicine into their pharmacopoeia but mm. um but it is if you really if you really yeah. read the literature and you really look at um the cultures throughout mesoamerica mm-hmm. the toad there's no there's no compelling evidence for the for smoking th- of toad smoking toxins. Of toad?
1: okay wow So it's like
2: a the toad is is a is a symbol is a significant symbol right because of uh, because of metamorphosis Mm. you know that's a very remarkable phenomenon right and and to witness that uh, is um, is remarkable it's remarkable it's
1: It's and probably inspires a lot of magical thinking
2: it also emerges from the ground of course. Uh, it's a, a sign of the underworld or mm. the, the the spirit the under the spirits of the underworld, right? Uh, or or yeah, the afterlife. Yeah, uh, it's also a sign of fertility because of uh, the onset of monsoonal rains, mm. right? And um, so those are very compelling symbols on on you know as as uh, talismans or. Right. Effigies, vessels, smoking vessels. There are a lot of incense vessels, which there are a number of things that um, lend themselves to to assume that people were smoking the toxins. Right. Well, maybe they put them in these burners, the incense burners, and Mm. inhaled. um, Things like the trade routes. That Native Americans had extensive trade routes yeah. they were trading m- uh, m- uh, scarlet macaws mm. from Costa Rica all the way up to uh, Pakime, right even the four corners area there's, there's people were actually bringing macaws up for, mm. for feathers harvesting feathers Wow and lots of things yeah and so it was foreseeable that I mean or people assumed that me okay toads you know that how could such a powerful medicine not have manifested itself in these in these cultures and right. you know it's like it just didn't they there was no need to
1: to experiment there was like that. yeah
2: to experiment they were smoking right. lots of things right and um they could have smoked toad right but but there really is no el- evidence for it. Um, it's like the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, some cultures never adopted the wheel, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that they are uh, inferior by right. any stretch. It just was something they didn't need. didn't need. need. They, 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 their environment and their society. Right. Just it wasn't didn't call for they that they found other ways of moving things around right 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 and um uh, in the book gun Germs, and steel it's the mm. one of the greatest takeaway messages is that societies are what they are based on their their ability to to um to interact with the resources available to them
1: right of course
2: and it, it they are only as as uh, accomplished and um Successful as they need to be for their purposes for their their environment in the world,
1: right? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Yeah. that makes so much sense.
2: So, anyways, getting back to this is that. um, In order to gain uh, validation and Mm. notoriety, um, smoking this was um, supported by the assumption. Based on toad just motifs, all those things that yeah. that people were smoking this substance uh, many, 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 many years. They
1: use those as evidence to yeah. like actually and keep perpetuating it.
2: The the practitioner we just brought up had originally started in the Yaqui community, and it oh. just so happens that I know people who were around yeah. when he started his foundation and wow um it was it it was very unethical i won't get into mm. the details cuz the the details are um they're just very typical of what a a person seeking uh power mm. would want to do I mean um uh there were it was just um just not good, there was right. lying and involved and yeah. manipulation and um mistreatment mm-hmm. and when the when at some point this person was not allowed back into the Yoame community wow, and so he moved to the komkak, mm. and um the Komkak are a different culture and they learned that they basically have uh, accepted this person and this person mm. uh, uh, chants their songs and um facilitates um experiences there um and wow uh a certain number of komkak also practice it on their own right uh, as a means of economic gain you know they mm. you know it's it's another right. it's another way of it's a it's a job it's a job but it's they do they have incorporated it into their into their um to their medicinal purposes right and, you know Psychedelics do have incredible enormous potential to to help people yes um, a lot of people call it medicine right and uh unfortunately we ha yes it is medicine um we've gotten to the point where that's how we view it right uh, but it really should we shouldn't have gotten to that point, you know psychedelic substances um should probably be used to expand consciousness and awareness human awareness and mm. consciousness
1: and uh, not just trying not just uh not as, just a, as
2: a emergency right resort
1: hmm. you um, have a there's a i forget this person's name there's somebody who's working who at least likes the fact that psychedelics are becoming more accepted mm-hmm. but he doesn't like the fact that they're being accepted to help the sick yeah or the needy like he he he, he feels uh, as
2: James Auroch?
1: no i don't think that ma- uh, maybe he he's a I, uh,
2: I got i i uh i learned this this concept from uh, a guy named James Orak on a podcast Interesting. called uh, Psychedelics Today. Oh, wow. Um, which I'm supposed to be on. just hasn't come out yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, talking about Sonoran Desert toes,
1: Nice. Um, <laughs> you became that man, didn't you? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah because, you know, um, we <laughs> a lot of naturalists... Uh, often volunteer on, on consulting projects mm. not just for film but like um big giant developments that are gonna blade the land. They have to survey for endangered species or oh. remove things and we we uh we call ourselves biostitutes. <laughs> biostitutes <laughs> because because uh that's fantastic you know you're you're you know, somebody's <laughs> gonna gotta do that job. Right. And and, and um you may as well be the person to do it in the best possible way mm. um and, um, and you gotta earn a living of course you have, to, you have to pay the bills right and so with this filming the there's always some amount of sensationalism that occurs in these things mm-hmm. but but the idea was that yeah we did we did uh portray attempted to portray it very accurate and uh the term um moral morally sound thing. Mm. Um and you can do that all you want, but at the end of the day the the platform is going to popularize the subject.
1: Right. There. And it so just brings more attention to so it. Yeah. It's uh And
2: just just within since that since that is that um episode aired. Yeah. Of course, I got lots of inquiries, and uh, you quickly learn who to ignore, and who to respond to, and how to respond to them, Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's... Was it a lot? It was a lot. Yeah? Um, People from across the world were asking me if I had 5-MeO DMT, (laughs) and I said, I either didn't a- answer them or I said no. And right. And he uh, you was know, asking me where to find toads and how to do the whole thing. And I said, if y- that's up to you. <laughs> you <have laughs> to, I mean, if you really want something, you, you go do it. it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's very true. And uh, so I have a, you know, I developed a code of ethics. Of for course. Around this, this whole thing. Yeah. You know, this this is a Schedule One narcotic. It's Entirely, it's it's, al- it's illegal, and um, but uh, you know these toads. These toads are ancient beings, just in the, in the evolutionary sense, but also yeah. um, their ability. Most desert animals are live to a long time because mm. their growth occurs. During a very short period of time, when there's water,
1: interesting,
2: and then they go dormant. So, wow So, saguaros, toads, tortoises, cacti, even a. Uh, if you look at a photograph from the turn of the century, and this has been there's a whole field of study on repeat photography. If you go, and you look, there there are people dedicated to photographing the same landscape over decades decades wow. and you see plants come and go but mostly they stay and you can see the same little bush there for upwards of of decades and decades if not hundreds of years be the, the the drier the more arid the place the older something is pr- likely to be because they can only thrive or they can only uh reproduce and grow when there's when it's wet. When it's wet.
1: Wow. So I never thought about that.
2: Yeah. It's very incremental. Right. And um so these toads, um, you know, they encase themselves in a in a cocoon of skin to hold mm. water in. And they're active and growing for about three months, even less the way climate change is is affecting our region. Yeah, it's, it's um, deep in the middle of yeah, December. Young animals.
1: We're uh, like sweating out here. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <coughs> young animals and plants have a s- growth spurt. They in their young years, they <laughs> have the ability to explode in growth with just a little bit of food mm. to get past a vulnerable size. Right. To get past a, a point where they can desiccate or get slurped up by a bigger animal. Right. But for the most part, Anyways, these toads could be uh, well over twenty years old. Big wow. toads, um, and so that's um, so
1: interesting. I never thought about that. It's a, it's an interesting perspective to think about that. De- that like desert life actually is a lot has a permanent. It's permanence. full of
2: life. The desert is full of life, and it's oh entirely. It's a testament to life for the fact that it can it can illiterate. pervade here. Yeah. Um, a lot of people may be under the misconception that uh deserts are tough. Right. And they are tough in the evolutionary sense. Right. But um you know, millions of years of evolution never prepared this ecosystem for all the things that we've um encroached on them. Mhm. So, um, most,
1: most of this like that interaction has always been something that I've thought about, but like uh, I was going somewhere with that It was just the that the fact that that they've it's been here and it doesn't really know it's a slow moving object mm-hmm. what they are, and we come in it's it's outside w- of human way rapidly,
2: yeah, it's outside of our uh conception of time, right and existence entirely
1: um they're gonna be here after we're gone and they were here before we even showed up yeah which is crazy
2: it's very crazy (laughs) it's very crazy (laughs) um just to use another example of that Mm -hmm. um there's a study of uh seed bank ecology Mm. and um Seeds are alive. Really? Yeah. How could they sprout?
1: Uh, duh.
2: I know. And I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to like condescend you. No, no. I got it. Um, I got it. You're just like um, you gotta. You gotta yeah. Give you that. But it's perspective so easy shift. to dismiss them, right? Because Entirely. It's a seed. It looks like a rock. Yeah. And um, so it's like a dog. A kind seed of thing. is just on a completely different time plane right and so there is life it's just it's just waiting Mm. it it, a seed is actually always in the process of germinating until some stimulus causes them to Um, um, sprout to to sprout and the first thing to emerge to to break the seed coat Mm-hmm. It's called the radical.
1: It's called the radical. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um why is it called the radical? Why 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 why? Do it's you know? A good
2: question. I don't know. Okay. I have to look up the definition of radical. Interesting. Probably has dual meanings. Yeah. Um So, with that in mind, with mm-hmm. the, you know the idea that seeds are living things, which is wild. Yeah. Uh
1: it's wild but it's like a duh kind of thing. Yeah. It's so
2: <laughs> there are entire <laughs> fields mm-hmm. with seeds that haven't germinated for decades because they're waiting for s- very Get specific properly. conditions. Right. So maybe uh, you know three or four wet good wet winters in a row before one spring they just there,
1: right,
2: and and uh, that's the importance of long-term monitoring and repeat photography and visiting places over and over again to understand them. Is that um, you know, and and seeds are the underpinning of of, of ecosystems. Mm. For example, the number. This is a herpetological comparison. The number Mm -hmm. of snakes that you see in the monsoon season Mm. is based on the number of prey items available to them.
1: Right.
2: Which is based on the amount of seeds that were dropped by plants that grew in late winter, which is based on the amount of rain we got in the winter.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh man <Yeah. laughs> that go. Ahead. that's uh that's the most plainest way i've ever heard anybody just explain the connected thing how connected things are yeah <laughs> that was so straightforward
0: yeah <laughs>
2: so um that was intense so there's every year there's a, an assemblage of species that appear Right you might have more lupins or x y z right and that all those things determine the comp the s- the, the um species compositions mm. that come that come later mm-hmm. and um so if there's more summer uh weeds and flowers uh mm. that creates a mulch layer that makes it harder for winter stuff to to germinate because they're they're shading it. Mm. So you know it's just this constant waxing and waning of, of populations. Yeah, it's a pendulum that's always swinging, mm-hmm. and and sometimes we we have the ability to push that pendulum right. Um. But. When you have a cohort of of seeds mm-hmm. that haven't shown up in three decades, what does that? How do you? What does that do to the? What's the ripple effect?
0: Mm. You know,
2: who can eat those seeds? Like maybe, you know, maybe there's a caterpillar. There's a that that special. Specialized on that one plant, what like many caterpillars do. Right, right. So maybe that means that a certain species of butterfly may be more abundant in the summer. Wow. And uh, and maybe you know, there's uh, uh, maybe that means for that area because those caterpillars appeared. Now there's more lizards in that area. Right. And so you can see how everything uh, has consequences. Everything has is is intertwined it's it's right. what we call inextricably linked right it's like you can't you can't snip you can't one separate. string and and expect somewhere around the world to stay taught wow or a butterfly effect
1: of course effect. yeah so yeah yeah that's yeah. that's that's so true it's it's so you explaining it that way it makes me like it, there's like this sense of like oh don't do anything don't <laughs> touch no, anything <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do that, right? And you, and um to be a part of it.
2: That's the uh, you know life is suffering, right? And and um and uh, you have to drive on roads, right?
1: Uh, if we have cars, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and
2: and we're all um for better or we wor- oh, usually for worse. You know, we we. <laughs> we can uh criticize uh our society mm. and and the underpinnings of it uh but we are we're all uh inextricably connected uh, to connected it. to it by capitalism
1: right right that's very true
2: and and that's that's that's, that's <laughs> that suffering you know that's that's <laughs> our suffering and it's uh hard to accept sometimes. It's it's hard to exist outside of that. Mm. We can take field trips out of it. Right. We do. Yeah. We uh we fly in the face of it mm-hmm. but we still uh, operate within it. Right. Usually operate within
1: it. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Um Wow what a turn. That was good. Yeah. that's good. <laughs> You're right though. My, my 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 I have a little like my own perspective when it comes to like at least cities themselves. One of the things that I have against cities is just the, the loss of the night sky. It really bums me out. Most people have no idea what's up there.
2: I know. When uh there several years ago there were a number of power outages in California. Yeah. And the yeah. East Coast. And uh, people had never seen the Milky Way. And they were calling the police. They were calling <laughs> the police because they had no Just idea Strange what cloud going in the on. sky. Yeah, heaven forbid there would be a meteor shower. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
1: would have
2: been so great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they wouldn't have been ready. They would not have been ready. Oh, that would have been
1: so good. <laughs> I guess meteor I
2: showers are spectacular events. Yeah. There's a tribe in in Colombia, the Santa Marta people, who live in the Santa Marta mountain range. Yeah. And uh, when you're born, your your uh, your role in society is divined by the shaman. Mm. And uh, if if you happen to be chosen to be a a shaman, then you're adopted by by the shaman and his wife, and wow. you're you're raised in relative darkness or you're you're uh, isolated from the village right and you're fed a very specific diet and you you learn about the world through the teachings of your father the shaman right and at some point uh you graduate and um you go up to the summit of the mountain range and you watch the sunrise wow and you watch the entire world materialize before your eyes.
1: Whoa! For so the like they, 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 they. Most of the time, they're in darkness. Like they're in like in a cave somewhere. In the hut,
2: like or maybe they only see, you know, very limited things.
1: Wow! And there are a number
2: of ethical issues with
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> at least according to our culture and yeah. our sort of like way of looking at things. Right. This is like you don't you don't do questions. that to a kid. A
2: lot of moral and ethical questions. Yeah. That we may have about
1: that. But yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, that's probably so powerful. It's like it's it's uh it's a, it seems like they're doing their version of Plato's cave. Mm-hmm. I don't not familiar with that. Oh, you know, uh, Plato's cave is an allegory um, that he would tell, and uh, it's essentially that there was three people in a cave, mm-hmm. enslaved, chained to like some, to something they couldn't get out. But the only things they knew of the world was that there was this fire behind them. And the fire was used to cast shadows with little figures. Mm. And this is all they knew. They just would see these shadows and these figures doing things and everything. This is all they knew for Mm. most of their life. Until one day, one of them uh, was freed and was allowed to leave the cave. And was astounded by what he saw. He couldn't believe it. Like, Mm. this is... This is amazing, yeah. you know, and and uh, he was so enthralled that he had to run back into the cave to tell the other two guys that were there. Mm-hmm. But they called him crazy, and he they thought like you're insane. Like this is the only world that we know. This is it. This is all that's done. You're wow. You're you're crazy. And then and the guy, sort of in a bittersweet kind of way, couldn't stay there anymore, and had to leave them behind because he just couldn't stay there because yeah. of what he knew now. No, That's a
2: tough cookie because, you know, uh, the more you know, you know, the more sort of ethical and moral baggage comes carry, with it. Right?
1: Well, yeah, it's a lot more responsibility. Yeah. It comes with it. There's a somebody had this great analogy about knowledge, where knowledge is like a bonfire, and the more you build up the fire, the Darker, the surrounding gets. Yeah, the circumference of you're what's not of known, and <laughs> <laughs> the the circumference of what's not oh. known gets much. Got it. Or not circumference 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 yeah. of what's not known expands with it.
2: Ah, gotcha. Yeah,
1: right. you're right. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was always uh, an interesting and counterintuitive way to to look at what it means to become knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. The simultaneous like acknowledgement of not really knowing that much
2: yeah yeah
1: what are some things with you from your studies that you would love to like let people know about or like point people to plant wise reptilian wise oh. of the sonoran <laughs> desert wise any any under, any direction like that
2: you know there's uh is a very just. it's very true a lot of the time that um science natural history and s- and science uh is a a settler uh activity. It's a settler mm. um uh study. It's, right. it's it's a and uh
1: from the colonizers. Yeah. Right.
2: Um and a lot of terrible things were done in the name of science. Mm-hmm. There, it's bittersweet for me because I, uh, I've learned a lot of what I know about the world mm. through, through natural history and right. um, things that were interpreted to me through mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we live in in a in a part of the world where there is some exception to that nastiness there's there wasn't there is uh there always has been a general appreciation for uh indigenous knowledge mm. and and life ways uh in in the sonoran D- desert region interesting um one of my greatest hopes is that uh traditional science and uh traditional knowledge can share a table mm and uh there's a, there's um no hesitation to criticize um colonizer um s- uh culture and all of this mm-hmm. Um I think natural history and observing the natural world mm. uh is a great way to bring people together entirely. Um because even a traditionally trained naturalist at some point realizes the transcendence of ecology, the transcendence of natural systems that mm. that goes beyond the traditional boxes and theories, um, which is akin to a tr- uh, an indigenous understanding of mm. of uh, living and non living things. Mm. You eventually realize that that things do have a spirit or an energy Mm. and you begin to understand you begin to develop a sense of um what's the word i want to use um stewardship and um you know uh when i went to collect i was i, I started collecting uh, copal which is uh we have a a tree here called torote or uh, bursera, uh yeah. elephant tree it's very fragrant and it its sap is is uh copal and oh. um it's resin that the tree releases with a insect bite or a break to mm. heal itself Right, of course but uh further south in Mexico it's it was burnt for for spiritual offerings wow cop- and there's tons of bursaras, many species of bursaras throughout latin america and mm-hmm. and so forth but we have one species that's native to the sonoran desert and uh, it wasn't used as as frankincense or, uh, or incense it, it mm-hmm. was used as a tea for various ailments but its sap is amazing and um mm. i was in a really remote place it was really arid there were really ol- big old trees of this th- these that had even died and they had released all of their sap in these big balls of crystallized sap and i, I just thought it's so yeah, this is tr- this is gold this is treasure and right I, I i i had this rare and fortunate opportunity to be in this r- really hard to get to location. And it was mm. precarious. The slopes were, were slippery and there were giant boulders that could have slipped and fell on me. And I felt very... It was an amazing experience. But I, I started collecting this stuff. And at some point I realized how much of this do you need? Mm, uh... Huh. Who are you gonna give this to? Who deserves this? Because, because you're 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 extracting, you're taking right. from nature. Mm-hmm. First for yourself. That was the first idea. I was like, oh, it'll be part of my home. It'll be part of me, and I will burn it as needed. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, but then I know somebody else who will appreciate this. And I started collecting more and more and. Mm. I thought, how much of this do I? What? What? Why am I doing this? And I started thinking, why do I need to take this? And Mm. um, so, the fragility of life, the precarious of life, precariousness of life in this really dry, hot range, and all these plants who had, who had grown through the rock. terrible soils um, who were expressing sap or had died and left their sap. And and, uh, I I realized that whatever I was going to take, whatever amount I was going to take, I had to leave something in exchange.
0: Mm.
2: Because even though I had more or less risked my life, Get there and yeah. take something. Um, that's not enough, right? Talk about the, you know being humbled. You know your life doesn't really mean anything to these plants, right? Or the mountain. You're just another animal on the landscape, right? You're not. You're you are you are a part of the ecosystem, right? There's a great shirt that says. Eco, not ego. Mm. You know, and it's uh, all right. these uh, silhouettes of plants and animals and uh, humans. Right. And uh, eco is us mixed it's in there, mixed and in then, then, then and uh, the ego is the guy on, top, guy on top. Pyramid.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. I
1: like that shirt.
2: And uh, so that's where it really set in, mm. and and uh, um I got to this. Because under all that formal training, my knowledge of of the ecosystem there, the geology, the people who had explored this place before me mm. um my knowledge of the ethnobotany of that plant and mm. wanting to bring that into my life right uh, was finally bound up- ra- wrapped up with the with the concept of uh, moral ethical stewardship
1: right the responsibility yeah. for be kicked in
2: and so um if uh, classically trained scientists and a shaman or um, a body of indigenous. People mm-hmm. um, can figure out how to to steward the land. Mm. Mostly, it's Western science. No, uh, you know, learning how to step off the platform, step off the stage mm. um, for a little bit, mm-hmm. and listen um, and understand that. You're not relinquishing anything necessarily, mm. you're actually growing right, you're developing you're progressing mm-hmm. and that's how many great and successful things have happened in evolution right is the adoption of foreign or perceived foreign uh entities right um can be really beneficial and mutualistic mm-hmm. um one of the components of the cell the mitochondria right is thought to have been a a uh, a foreign foreign, foreign body, body right which is now an important it's the powerhouse of the cell yeah right so i see um that's what i see uh, that's what i would like to see and mm. uh, i would like to see um a genuine cooperation, a right. genuine um, coming together, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's uh, it is re- there it's hard to step off the stage when you've been on it for so long, right. or step aside. And one of my favorite musicians, Jesse Norman, said, "People don't want to hand; they don't want to hand out." They want to hand up, mm. or, or. Uh, mm. th-
1: That's a good line. You know, they I like that.
2: It's not always raising people up right. when you can't. I mean, yes, there are times to do that, but mostly it's stepping aside and allowing right. them to raise themselves up,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and knowing when to stop talking. Right. And listen. Even if if you already know it's coming, mm. maybe th- you don't. Mm-hmm. And even if it is, you can st- you, you'll still learn something. You'll still you'll still acquire the um you'll still exercise the ability to to relax a bit s- just hold back. Mhm.
1: Right, you know that's
2: that's one of my greatest wishes. That would be great. That's one of my greatest wishes is that um, high schools start adopting courses in uh, civil discourse, informed civil discourse.
1: Right, that is something that should is more should be more vital than anything else. Yeah, and
2: learning how to accept criticism.
1: Right. Learning how to work with that.
2: Yeah, uh, so it's hard to kill your baby. You
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> it's very um, hard.
2: Uh, or cut its arm off.
1: Uh huh. Shapeshifted because in some way.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love I I love writing It's sort of masochistic because in, in my writings. Mm-hmm. I I love writing. I don't do it enough, but hmm. when I do write. I finally feel like it's my piece is ready to send out to my peers. Mm. Um, I expect a lot of red ink, and it's very interesting to see over time what what uh, what people suggest. Mm. What people suggest to cut out. Right. Um, It's helped me tremendously. At first, so it was always hard, but right editors good editors uh, know how to uh how to promote your voice you know and and they have mm. distinct writing styles from you, and so th- you know even though they would like to uh word something differently or right. Push their style on you. They don't. They just they understand what you're trying to say, mm. and they they tell you what they're seeing, or right? Hearing. And uh, I mean, in the end, you're responsible for adopting cha- the changes, anyways, right? But of course, but th- that's what makes it an even greater exercise: is knowing what to learning to listen and then figuring out what to accept. As yeah. hard of a pill as it may be to swallow.
1: Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, most people, even I have trouble with that personally. Oh yeah. The funny thing is, is that as you were talking about, like all this, it reminded me of the of just the simple fact that um, the a child in the womb takes shape when a dying of cells happens. Yeah, like death itself sculpts us from a blob of cells.
2: Wow, can you uh, I, can you go into that a little bit more? Like so.
1: Well, like like one of the examples I guess I could say is like we're webbed. Our our fingers mm-hmm. are webbed when mm-hmm. we're when we're in the womb. Mm-hmm. So like the webbing just goes through a dying. Uh huh. So all those cells die off. Uh huh. And which etch out our fingers right. and everything like that. Right. So that's yeah. That's the best way I can sp- okay. specify gotcha. that.
2: Gotcha. It's it's okay. It's an editing process. It's an editing process called evolution.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> you know, it's being a uh, chi- uh, lat- Latinx or Chicanx person. Yeah. I've um, I've been sh- sort of sheltered from that culture growing up. Uh, not not sheltered, but I went into a natural history, and I went to people who held that knowledge. And it was a very different culture right. from my family. Of course. And uh, now that I'm in my 30s, uh, I follow social media, and I follow activism, right. and um, I'm trying to stay woke. <laughs> Whatever that means
0: you
1: know. <laughs> really, I yeah, know.
2: Um, but oh, I lost my train of thought um, ah. and that is there's a lot there uh, was latino rebels on on instagram, and um there was a comedian who said, uh. Your ancestors and I'm paraphrasing your ancestors thought the world was flat, mind mapped to the night sky and uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and
2: there was a huge thread like, that you know tons lots of um shaming and 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 stuff like that <coughs> and uh two things, one is the thing we talked about earlier is that cultures were only as progressed as they needed to based on what was available. Entirely. And uh, a lot of people uh, of the flat Earth period thought the world was round. They just couldn't say anything.
1: Right. On top of it, right? That's very true. That's that. That's that's such an interesting historical moment on the planet where there was this moment where this other... This complete this is just an idea that came around that censored a lot mm-hmm. and in its censoring and its need to spread brought us to where we are we mm-hmm. are now. Mm-hmm. It's such a random moment in history yeah that uh, that I'm still perplexed by actually a lot
2: well it, I'm not sure it was random mm. It's just like an organism. Right. Necess- you know, there was some stimulus. Right. That provoked it.
1: Right.
2: I'm not I'm not a historian, but right. but I would not say that it's necessarily random.
1: Origins Th- the unknown. The fact that the
2: earth exists is almost miraculous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's
2: it's still incomprehensible to me. But um pretty pretty much But, um, so there's that. Right. But, um, there's also a, I think, um, a repressed, uh, sort of, a repressed, um, anger and, Mm. um, reaction that I think that, that meme is related to, and that's that, um. That evolution and study of science um is necessarily darwinist societally Darwinist or mm. um, and uh I hope that changes with the increase in in uh people of color in the sciences right and the- ab- and the ability for them to bridge their culture no. and understanding of the world
1: yeah. Um, that's interesting. When you say Darwin, do you, th- do you are you referring to the survival of, of the fittest? Yeah, yeah, that's sort mm. of
2: something that's very misinterpreted. Entirely. Um but um what what I mean da- Darwin Darwinism uh that can trigger uh the term or the con- the idea of social Darwinism that's mm. very, you know, uh, eugenics. And, Rye, right, right, um, right, right. And uh
1: gets into that, that.
2: Gets into that realm, and that's oh, that's where science was misappropriated, right? For um, the the dominant or the dominant minority, right? Um, there was a guy named Carl Lumholtz, who was a Norwegian explorer. He loved people, mm. and and he was the first person to travel through the entire Sierra Madre, and he was and take photographs and record plants animals people he wow. recorded songs and things like that awesome he was a good guy yeah. he he loved people but the the forces of his time he w- could only be funded as long as he contributed something to the, the literature to our understanding of the region and part of that was measuring people oh. you know, there was the and he didn't fully believe in it. Right. You know, but but he did he practice that. You know, he weighed people and uh, um Oh, I don't have that book here. It's still in, in storage. But um but yeah, those are the dark sides of of, of science, what evolutionary science that uh don't hold any water anymore. It's and just and uh, you know s- a good scientist you know realizes that
1: entirely it go. it's uh they're,
2: ba- they're big <laughs> they're far bigger problems far bigger issues to 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 um focus to
1: on with, yeah, yeah no entirely but I- it's it's just the it's the problem with tools while well you can use them in certain ways that p- are frowned upon mm-hmm. you shouldn't get mad at the tool though yeah you shouldn't get mad at yeah. the tool it, it uh, that's something we we're so used to scapegoating mm-hmm. in th- in this society. Yeah. At least that's how I feel like.
2: Well, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy, and uh, especially if you're uninformed. Right. And, and uh, right. Quick to really, jump to that's conclusions I and everything. Probably one of everything. the greatest problems we have is the miseducation, undereducation of our society. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, getting back to. Social media and, and staying woke, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's a lot of great things happening in, in Tucson. Uh, yeah. Flowers and bullets is incredible. Yeah, I love them to death. Um and uh uh Verdes, do you follow him? No, I don't. He's uh he's an amazing uh, uh permaculturist, I would say, or oh, s- okay. sustainable gardener really and, uh, promoter of things within within underserved c- communities oh wow it's really good yeah
1: i have to check him out
2: he's a he's a funny guy
0: <laughs> um,
2: but uh anyways <laughs> um, i see i i think i see good things in our future here yeah something's
1: blooming here yeah. right i feel the same way yeah i feel the same way very much so and it's it's exciting because there's some for for me anyways, there's something that I was hoping to see. Mm-hmm. And um here it is.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna use the restroom real quick. Go ahead.
1: If anything, you know, um we can end this. We're like
2: No, I don't think
1: Okay. Um
2: There's just a lot of things we can all learn from natural processes.
1: Oh well, yeah, entirely. I yeah. feel like I feel like um personally I've always enjoyed just learning about it in my own way. I'm very casual when it comes to like all the mm-hmm. natural learnings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um but th- it's always been very valuable to me. Something that's always like one of the things that I've been really fascinated is uh have you heard of the wood white web? No. The 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 largest uh or, or Oh wh-
2: yes, the, the poplars or spruces
1: no it's the, it's the to the, the it's the biggest single organism on the planet mm-hmm. and it's just this giant network of a of mycelium uh, in like wow. the in Oregon or Washington yeah i've heard of this now and that you bring it up yeah. yeah 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 that thing fascinates me and and it, it and just mycelium how it works also fasc- fascinates me. It's actually something that I want to ask you about. Is there any like fungus that that's natural to the desert? Tons. Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know enough about it, but I can tell you yeah. that uh, there's. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. And and um, it's it's had a major impact on life on Earth. Right. Um. Desert fungus is, um, well, there are cryptobiotic crusts, which include that. And it's this uh, microorganismic crust on the desert surface, mm-hmm. which uh, does a lot to prevent erosion uh, and incorporates nutrients into the soil. Right. And, and uh, once you step on that or drive over it, it's functionally gone. I mean, it takes hundreds of years to regenerate. Wow. The other thing is lichens. Lichens are a mutual relationship between um algae, fungi, and uh, algae, fungi, and bacteria, I believe. Mm. But definitely algae and fungi. And uh they're on everything. Um, you've seen you know, it looks like somebody spray painted rocks green and yellow and orange oh and Oh,
1: right. Yeah, that's, that, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, that's uh, lichen. Um, there are fungi in the air. It's what causes valley fever. Oh. Um, and it's uh, the rise in valley fever is due to the monumental growth that's been happening in the desert. So when you churn up the earth you're throwing all those Dust oh, that dust is the in the air, and and so more people are affected by it. Uh, that also happens with uh, in, in agricultural fields. Of course. Um, you and I probably have it in our lungs because we're healthy guys. And yeah. Um, and so we call that latent. It's latent in our bodies. Oh, fine. And it's uh, it could be triggered uh, by anything, like trauma or. Pneumonia or, wow. or something, you know, some some anything that may cause something us to be a shift. weak to it, mm. it'll it'll happen. Um, there are mushrooms all over the mountains. Um, there's something called I think it's called a woolly mane, but the Latin name is Lycoperdon, which means wolf fart.
1: <laughs> wow, that's Lyco rando. means. Wolf yeah. and
2: perdón means fart. Really? Yeah, like pedo. Oh, it's funny.
1: Perdón, pedo. Uh,
2: or excuse me, perdón. <laughs> perdón. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: that's so great.
1: That's funny. That's a random name to, to to call a mushroom.
2: Well, it's shaggy, and then when you knock it, uh, it releases brown spore, oh. brown powder. Okay. Um, so yeah it's everywhere. I mean we we ferment food with it. Right. Uh um, we cure cheese uh or inoculate it with I- into our cheese. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's uh my ecology's something that I have failed to adequately get into. Right. <laughs> nah, <No>, it's fine. <laughs> no, I worry about it. You probably I love eating mushrooms so much. though.
1: Yeah, mushrooms are nice to eat. They're they're really good. Apparently, I heard portobellos aren't the best for you. Are it
2: portobello? Any farm uh any industrially raised mushrooms are either going to not be nutritionally valuable necessarily. Mm. Cuz mushrooms are are the processors of of uh dead things right. and um and ultimately all of the th- the things that those dead things had in them. So they're extremely efficient at, at decomposing things right. Um, and so in that case, they're what we call bioaccumulators. So if there's heavy metals or microplastics, uh, the first things to eat those are um, are insects or uh, plants absorb them. yeah um, and they, they travel from those things into the things that eat them into the things that eat them to the things that eat them. Right. And so um, a good example is tuna. Mm-hmm. You know, they're eating smaller fish, smaller, smaller, smaller fish, and then eventually it's the plankton. And, and so the plankton and the really tiny stuff, they that the cyc- those plastic cycles through their bodies fairly regularly.
0: Right. But
2: uh, eventually uh, they... Those things make them into the big predators, right? Because they're eating all the th- the little the things that yeah. make those microplastics. So, anyways, they accumulate those things in their bodies, and then that's right. how they become, and that's how they get into our bodies. Right. And so, mushrooms, you know, uh, are ta- are Tend processing those. Th- they're sort of bioaccumulators as well. Whoa. Um, There's even somebody uh, found. or was able to get. A whole colony of mushrooms to decompose uh, a pile of of toxic, uh, like heavy metals mm. and, and like plastics and things like that. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. I would not. I would not have eaten those mushrooms, but they. Nope. Uh, but they <laughs> they p- broke it down into a safer product.
1: Right. They could be more.
2: Yeah. They can, I mean, there's kombucha as well. Right. Uh, so I love think kombucha. You know, those are, we need to start paying attention to the, the microscopic underpinnings of, of yeah. the world. You yeah. know, insects, we're starting to see uh, major plummeting in numbers of insects. And insects are, the again, foundation. those are the foundational organisms that yeah. a lot of things rely on. And, and when entomologists have just started seeing insect numbers go down, that's, that's another bad sign. That's, yeah, that's not like good. That's
1: terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man.
2: That's like that's like uh, that's like going up the road and seeing like all the animals running the opposite direction.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, it's like Damn. it's a sign. It's like
2: you don't. S- s- I don't know how soon shit's gonna hit the fan i mean it has i mean it has already it has, right it it's just has, we haven't like
1: seen the, I haven't the seen consequence yet we haven't seen it all yeah um it's gonna be interesting i feel like what what really what currently right now the closest to like not too long-term thinking but like sort of mm-hmm. long-term right now just experiencing this winter i'm dreading next summer mm-hmm. i'm dreading next summer i can't imagine how hot it's gonna be
2: yeah yeah we're, um the way I understand it is that um, the climate models are predicting more extreme weather more extreme seasons. Interesting. Colder winters, hotter summers.
1: This one ain't that cold, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is yeah. it just cause it's just started the or I is think is it's it? just started. Okay, bet, yeah. bet. Yeah. I hope it gets colder then. <laughs> uh, for a little bit anyways. That's gonna be it's gonna be so much. If you were if you were wandering or, say, lost in the desert, mm-hmm. would there be, like, a specific plant or mm-hmm. like thing that you would go for for sustenance? Um, would you know?
2: It's hard mm-hmm. because it depends, you know, what time of year. But um, spring and summer would be ideal because of fruits Rye. available to you. Right, prickly right. pears. Um, uh, I'd probably try and uh, kill. a javel- I don't know what what the limitations are on this question. I mean, I'll no, go I crazy with it. I could, you know, eat a javelina, maybe. Right. Or uh, you don't want to eat rabbits outside of a certain season because they have some uh, virus in them. Oh wow! Um, pack rats probably would be easiest. You could kill them with a slingshot or a rock. Right. And, and um, they're big rats. Easy to process. N- minimal energy to capture. To capture them. Yeah. So, um, but I try and eat a lot of cactus fruits. Um, try and save what any wa- whatever water fell out of the sky. Right. If you really needed to, you could cut the top off of a barrel of cactus and uh, mash up the inside and and eat the pulp. Oh, be really bitter.
1: Eh. Is that
2: enough? lots of cactus contain mescaline and there's actually really a yeah and there's a, there's a actually a, an alkaloid specific to saguaros called carnegian, which is uh, named at this. Latin name for saguaro is carnegia gigantea. Oh. That's, that's a really, this actually brings me to something I wanted to get, get to. Is um, saguaro's named after Andrew Carnegie mm. because uh, the, the laboratories on Tumamoc Hill uh, were built by the Carnegie Institution. Right. And it was one of a handful of research stations around the world Meant to understand plant physiology and ecology uh, in parts, different parts of the world for agricultural and human progress. Right. Uh, It was established in 1903, I think, and uh, it's been the foundation, the birthplace of Sonoran Desert study. Wow. Uh, uh, Plants, animals, people, uh, climate. Well. At times, were you know, state of the art buildings and labs, and um, they invited him to come see. And the botanists on the hill had uh, understood now that the saguaro belonged to a different, uh, to its own distinct genus or, or type of. Cactus. Then it had oh. been lumped in with a bunch of others with all the other cactuses. So they decided to name it in honor of their benefactor, Andrew Carnegie. So the before it was *Serious Gigantia* because it's big, yeah. And then now it's uh, *Carnegiea Gigantia*. Oh. And so, um this backfired because, you know, they had given them a tour of the labs and showed them how wonderful this is. You know this unique forest is um, and then they thought well we've named this icon after you and he got mad that anyone would name a plant after somebody just because they had money Mm. they didn't name it after its uh descriptive qualities right which most that's a very valid point and i agree for the most part Mm -hmm. Um but he thought it was a ploy for more money, more funding, so he uh. got mad and he walked away from it. And right. Um the, the scientists, a the lot the botanists on that hill understood the value of traditional people, the traditional knowledge of plants from people and um one of them, Howard Gentry, was the first person to uh, list and describe all the plants of the Rio Mayo in Sonora. And he mm. was one of the first botanists in our region to publish the traditional names of plants. Wow. And people have wondered whether it was just a, uh, a badge for him. But he really, it wasn't. I mm. mean, maybe it was, but mostly it was his acknowledgement and uh, thanks to the people who who uh, guided him through the region. Yeah. He um, had a very thoughtful and um, ethical um, ways of publishing the culture of these people. And he's a botanist, but he really... By necessity, was a was an ethnologist and mm. uh, all-around scientific collector. But he never named a plant after its traditional name. Wow! It's a, the, the the traditional name is also the formal scientific name of the plant. That's awesome. And um, he uh, he really deeply did appreciate the work. Uh, yeah. And so that's what I mean when I say that our region is exce- a little bit exceptional to the... That intermixing. The intermixing, the the bridging. Yeah. There was uh, appreciation. And I see Tumumac Hill as, as uh, a platform for that. I think it's one of the most democratic places in Tucson. Wow. You have all forms of society... More or less, not all, but, you know, there's a huge diversity of people who walk up and down that hill every day. I think it's something like 1,500 people a day on average. Wow. And um, there's, you know, it's a sacred site, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's a national historical landmark. Mm. Um, It's got several designations. It's the longest continually running M- ecological monitoring station on Earth. Wow! So sawaros, were have been followed. Their growth and activities have been followed on that hill since near the turn of the century, sometime around 1906. So sa- in the wow! In the uh, I- uh there's a map that of the hill with every and and the every little green dot on the hill is a, a sawaro that that has been numbered. Um so much.
1: Uh it's a uh an <laughs> <Such> t- <a laughs> undertaking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it's over over, it's over decades. Either. Yeah, it's true. But um it's a trincheras culture site. So trincheras. so trincheras are um, terraces. Oh, okay. And so uh these the people who lived on the first people who live on this s- in this area were Hohokam and and uh and I think and or so, the, I, I, I think that Hohokam, stylistically in their life ways, were part of a broader trincheras culture. Mm. Anyways, the fact is that uh, the hill is terraced for collecting water and growing stuff. Oh wow. And the higher the social class, the higher on the hill you lived. Right. And um, the expert gardeners uh, and he knew how to live on land. So it was it's an indigenous site. The name Tumamok is a uh, modification of Chumamok, which is uh, uh for hor- horned lizard or horny toad. Ah. Uh is means a spring at the base of a black hill.
1: Spring at the base of a black hill. Which
2: I think is a mountain.
1: Ah. it's volcanic.
2: And the springs uh at the base was the the uh, groundwater coming up through the I mean it's it the geology of that place meant that water was pushed up through the surface and and then also the river was right there. Right. Um so Chumamok Chumamok. is uh and I'm probably slaughtering it. I I <laughs> my friend who's who's somewhat fluent in Atham mm. uh Told me as chu uh, uh, mamuk, the T is a T C H chu ah. mamuk, or chukshun. Right, chuk shun. Uh Anyways, um, so there's all these layers of of history um, and settlement of right. of that hill, and um, we are really working hard to carefully uh bring everyone to the table. Right. In a meaningful way.
1: That's good. That's um, good.
2: And and uh it's happening. It's, uh it's slow cuz it's hard. Right. But uh and it requires money and effort and time. Um all those things are intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. But um i'm really amazed too uh Chimamok gives me hope for the future in that in that um uh, many facets of our society uh go up there and they they right. steward it they really look out for it um i don't have a badge but uh, no one has a badge for i, I for driving up there i mm. I, I do that for certain things, I like help the, uh, maintain the garden and such. Mm. But um, people seem to know that I'm a part of what's going on up there, and they're always telling me, "Oh, you know, we saw somebody walking with their dog. There's no, we know there's no dogs allowed up here." And, um, and mm. so, so people looking really out. S- it's really classical self-policing of wow. a sacred space. Wow. Um, and uh, uh, it's this is a good example of an institution learning to share the stage because technically that's uh, not uh, well, U of A is a public institution and it's U of A property, right? Um, but thr- over the years, they've you know they've allowed people to, to walk up and down the hill and um and that's great yeah it's it's an acknowledgement of the the fabric of of that place entirely and uh it's beautiful and that's why it gives me hope is that you have all these forces coming together and uh uh, all for the sake of of each other and the hill yeah so there's
1: never uh, thought about tumumak like that but that's that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. I L- like that a lot. There's
2: there's a lecture series, uh, seasonal lecture series that happens up there. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know so that. Yeah, so if you go to tumamac.arizona.edu, Arizona. Uh-huh. Edu, you can get on the the uh, announcements or alerts, and s- can reserve a seat uh, to attend because it's such a small space. Right. Um, but the greenhouse is already. Uh, was re- rebuilt, uh, or is in the process of being rebuilt. It was, for as far as we can tell, Arizona's first greenhouse.
1: Wow.
2: So I'm going to show some tropical Sonoran plants. Mm. Um, that, the stone house at the bottom is a boat house because, uh, boathouse because the, s- the uh, Colorado overflowed one winter and created the Salton Sea. Oh. And so the scientists on the hill built a boat so they could monitor the impact of that flood and mm. the, what happens when a lake or a sea automatically appears in the middle of the desert. So they would make yearly or regular trips to monitor and measure plant and animal life um, out there. And So that's where they kept their boat. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah, that's why I I feel like I've seen.
2: It's uh if you're wa- if you're starting so to walk up, it's uh once you pass the gate, it's on your right. Right. It's yeah. A stone, okay. Stone Stone House. Oh, that's so and, funny. And uh, that's soon gonna be a, a visitor center and interpretive center, in the you know far along. But right. that's that's what's intended. And intended for it. The road's gonna be repaved, oh. uh, so it'll be wider, and so we don't have to worry about. Um, you know, slowing down or, you know, endangering people more right. with the cars going up and down.
1: Right, right, right. Um, Giving everything more space.
2: Yeah, give everyone more space. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, check it out Edu. It's, uh, I see good things in the future.
1: Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't, I'm, it's a great perspective shift. Um, we're an hour and 40 minutes in. Okay. Um, Do you want to leave them with some last words? Or if not, you can tell them where they can find you if you want them to contact oh, you in any way or like just...
2: Uh, you can contact me through Instagram. Fantastic. Uh, Faunus Sonorensis or Faunus underscore Sonorensis. Um, um, yeah. Uh, happy to share what I know or what I don't know. hmm and uh if it's something i don't know we can figure it out together nice um, but um yeah fantastic uh no no final words nothing's final
1: true that true so that yep. thank you again yeah damn near 2 hours later how you doing you made it there's a lot i know we talked about it a lot we went in the beginning it was pretty consistent we were talking about the show but then it went everywhere and i i appreciate Uh, robert for everything um thank you again it was a lot of fun um make sure to go follow him guys he he's really well informed man so like um yeah his his instagram is faunus underscore sonorensis okay and that's f-a-u-n-u-s underscore s-o-n-o-r-e-n-s-i-s I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I personally did. Hopefully you didn't catch me constantly repeating the same three words. Wow. Right, right. Or, whoa. (laughs) I was at a loss for words, and quite frankly, I wasn't catching myself. So I apologize if that was incessant. It was for me while I was editing this whole thing. Apologies. Apologies. But if it didn't bother you i'm i'm lying to you it didn't even happen <laughs> um yeah thank you for listening please go follow robert and um yeah i'm gonna play you out with uh south side chillin by q by q by dj q well like again sick losing voice <laughs> <laughs>